Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. Welcome to Mortification of Spin, Bully Pulpit. We are so glad that you chose to join us today. My name is Todd Pruitt, and I'm joined, as always, with Amy Bird. Carl Truman uh, cannot be with us because he, I think, is on the other side of the planet somewhere, even as we speak. But we are delighted that you chose to be with us today. Well, Amy, I want us to hop right into our topic today, which is forgiveness. Now, forgiveness is a big, broad subject. We are uh, people who are all about forgiveness because we are forgiven people. Um, But one question I'm asked a lot as a pastor is, what do I do with someone who refuses to acknowledge that they've done something wrong? What What do I do or how do I forgive or am I supposed to forgive someone who has offended me, but they've refused to repent? In those cases, is forgiveness possible? I'm asked about that a lot because we deal with those kinds of situations a lot as right. sinful people living among other sinful people. What do you think about that question? Where there's no repentance, can I forgive? Yeah, so people like to go to Luke 17 um, verses mm-hmm. 3 through 4 where you know, the disciples are asking, well, if he repents seven times, you know, how many times is enough? for me to forgive somebody if they keep offending me. And so since Christ is saying, you know, if they repent, then you forgive 77 times. Right. Um, they say, well, if they don't repent, then I don't need to forgive at all. Right. And so then there's this sense of still holding that sin mm-hmm. against them and harboring ill feelings towards right. them. And I kind of want to, Say, well, there's a bigger picture going on here. You can't have that transactional forgiveness that you so long for mm-hmm. if someone doesn't repent. You can't. And, and that's sad. And so that kind of leaves you hanging. Right. But is it going to leave us bitter, you know, yeah, right, towards that right. person? Is it going to leave us self-righteous right. because we're right and they're wrong and they've never, you know, they've never noticed that? Right. And I've been in situations like that where it's been very painful, um, you know, mm. with people I, I love. And I really had to work through that before. And, right. and I saw that, okay, well, there's still something that needs to be done actively on my part, even if you can't convince somebody, like if you've gone to that person sharing right. how they have offended you and, and they refuse to see it, there's still this work that has to be done, I think, in your own heart mm-hmm. um, before the Lord in prayer where you are going to lay aside your rights, your own false righteousness, because Christ's righteousness is, is all that matters. Right. It's almost in a sense where you have to love that person, not as if they've never harmed you, but mm-hmm. more, actually, than mm. before they hurt you. Wow. Because yeah. you have to kind of prepare your heart to offer that grace if you ever get that opportunity right. for that forgiveness. You should be praying for them more. You should be praying for this restoration. So there is a sense where, um, and it even almost adds to your own pain because it's costly Mm -hmm. to prepare your own heart to offer that grace. 
Yeah. So there's still a work I think we're called to if someone doesn't repent. Yeah, so there's this whole species of love that is called out of us that isn't necessarily called out of us when we deal with the person who hasn't really wounded us. When we deal with the person who's wounded us, it calls for kind of a deeper, thicker, more uh, tenacious kind of love to move towards them. Now, Amy, you said something really interesting, and I want to make sure that people did not miss it. It's something that I agree with you wholeheartedly on, and it's a controversial subject. But I don't think it should be nearly as controversial as it is sometimes, which is for there to be real forgiveness, what you describe there as transactional forgiveness, which I think is a good term, for that to happen, there does have to be repentance. And even in the text that you pointed out from Luke where Jesus says, you know, if someone comes to you and repents, you've got to forgive them. Even if it happens seven times, 70 times, you've got to, you know, we must not forget that Jesus predicates that forgiveness on the person coming to us to repent. Mm-hmm. Um, be, because we have to understand forgiveness as involving the restoration of a relationship. Now, things might be different, but there is a restoration of relationship implied with forgiveness. And I found this, I found these words from John Murray, the great uh, systematic theologian. And listen to this. He says, forgiveness is a definite act performed by us on the fulfillment of certain conditions. Forgiveness is something actively administered on the repentance of the person who is to be forgiven. Mm. We greatly impoverish ourselves and impair the relations that we should sustain to our brethren when we fail to appreciate what is involved in repentance. Mm. I thought that was pretty good. That is good, and and I think it speaks to even more um, in that transaction. And I got that word transactional forgiveness from Stan Gale. He's written a book okay. on that. Mm-hmm. I think we often ask for forgiveness kind of with ease as if it's some sort of ticket to be handed out. And we teach our children that too. Oh, you just, you know, you just hurt that person or you stole their toy. Now you say you're sorry and ask for forgiveness. And then you mm-hmm. coach the other kid to say, say, I forgive you. And, you know, th- those are good words. And it's important. Like we're showing them the importance of the transaction, but mm-hmm. we're not really teaching the heart of the matter right. of what's going on there. Yeah. And I think now is a really good time to talk about that with the Easter season having mm. just passed. You know, what is it's a death really right. to your own righteousness. And you know mm-hmm. what Christ did to he he laid aside all his rights mm-hmm. to forgive us. Right. So yeah, in that transaction there's so much going on. Right. And so for there to be forgiveness, there's it's a very costly thing. As we look at God's forgiveness of us, there's a bit of a model there wherein God's forgiveness of us was incredibly costly, i.e. the crucifixion of the Son of God. But there is also a demand that that the sinner repent. And yeah. and that's very, very clear. And and to a certain degree in our own relations, if forgiveness is to involve the restoration of relationship, then there must be forgiveness. I mean, there must be repentance. Now, so some people are going to ask then, well, then, so do I just stay angry at this person who refuses to Mm -hmm. repent? And of course, you know, the answer to that is, you know, certainly not. It was interesting. I was looking at, um, at Romans chapter 12. He says, uh, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty. Associate with the lowly. Repay no one evil for evil, Mm -hmm. but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all, if possible, so far as it depends on you, 
live peaceably with all, but never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. If the person who has has wounded us or hurt us or victimized us, if they refuse to repent, while there can't be forgiveness, i.e. the restoration of relationship, then there are some things we certainly must do, which is to pray for them, mm-hmm. to hold forth the appeal to repent by lovingly saying, you can come to me and there will be restoration, but there has to be an acknowledgement of wrong. So we, we hold forth that offer uh, with, with good faith and we refuse to seize the vengeance that we might want to take because mm-hmm. That's God's business. God takes care of vengeance, and we must carefully avoid that. So the fact that we're saying that real forgiveness depends upon repentance does not mean that we somehow are diminishing grace. In many ways, it's magnifying it. Right. Because to continue to hold forth the good faith appeal to come and let's be reconciled to that person that refuses to repent, that's costly. I think it poses a question, um, you know, do we really believe in the power of the gospel? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if we are going to be harboring bitterness or um, seeking revenge or, you know, just to hold it against that person, we're not looking for this opportunity to show our Lord that we do believe him, mm-hmm. that we do right. trust him and, and that he is sufficient. Right. Right. A number of years ago, there was the um, terrible massacre of the Amish children in that Amish mm. school in Pennsylvania. And, and of course, the well-known and, and rightly remembered and respected reaction of the parents, the Amish parents of that school and those children who, who were murdered and slaughtered by that very sick and troubled Man, and they poured out forgiveness, and they poured out forgiveness on the family of the shooter there in um, Nickel Mines was the name of, of mm. the town. And, and the mother of the killer, I've read some of her words, and she was so profoundly impacted by the response of those Amish people. Now, we can say, well, okay, but the, you know, the shooter didn't repent, that sort of thing. But what we actually see from those Amish men and women in the wake of that tragedy is really the thing that I think we're trying to say here, which is the good faith offer mm-hmm. of forgiveness, the holding forth of love and absolution, if you, know, if you will, you know, as far as between humans. And, and to this day, people still talk about it because it was so otherworldly, right? so remarkable. Right. Well, and I think, you know, that kind of connects to, like, we're talking about the difference between, you know, full restoration forgiveness mm-hmm. and transactional forgiveness. And, and we go to those verses in, in Luke 17. What you see there is a posture of grace that has to be there before we're actually asked to forgive right. Right. by someone else. Someone's not going to just come up to me and say, will you forgive me? Like, you know, the little children we teach to do and then say, yes, I forgive you. Yeah. And we have to have that posture of grace in our hearts already, we already have to have a liberal grace mm-hmm. working out of us from the liberal grace that we've received mm-hmm. from Christ. So there's a lot of work that needs to happen beforehand in our own hearts, in our own prayers before God. And you see that with that situation, I think, too, what has already been working in the hearts of these people to be able 
to offer that. Right. Right. Yes, exactly. And I think another important principle there is as we think about the fact that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, if you're dealing with someone who's wounded you and they're not seeing it yet or they're, they're refusing to repent, then if you truly desire their good and if you truly desire their repentance, which is good for them, then make sure you're communicating to them that the door is open, that the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness will be there. Mm-hmm. when they repent and, right. and to trust that that posture of grace that you're talking about will be among the means that the Lord uses mm-hmm. to bring that person to, right. to repent. Well, here's uh, a question. Yeah. So what about those who kind of presume on the fact that, you know, you're a Christian, you have to forgive, you know, yeah, they know this yeah. and they come, they know they've offended you. They, right. they acknowledge the offense and they ask for forgiveness. Right. But you know that it's not you sincere. Know, you know that it's not sincere. Right. right. Yeah. I think, you know, one of the things that we mention from time to time on mortification of spin is that common sense goes a long way. Mm-hmm. And as people who are being sanctified, I hope we have a sanctified common sense as well. <laughs> if if somebody comes you into your right, exactly. <laughs> if somebody comes into your you know, your home and steals things from your home, they come back and repent. You let them in again, they steal something else, they repent. Well, at some point, you need to not leave them alone with your wallet. You know, <laughs> you know so clearly Jesus in, his, in what he's saying to Peter about forgiveness is not saying, and I'd like you to be foolish and stupid also. You know, that's, it's not a prescription for that, right? And, right. And, and on a serious note, connected to what you're saying, Amy, and we know stories about this happening, is the situation where... A victim is put into a room with their abuser and told you need to forgive him now. Right. And that can be incredibly damaging. You don't take Mm -hmm. a child who's been sexually abused and then put them in the pastor's office with their abuser and say, now you need, and and we've heard stories of this happening, unfortunately, and tell that child they've got to forgive this person all of a sudden. That's re-traumatizing, re-victimizing that child again. So again, you've got to use common sense. When we talk about forgiveness and restoration of relationship, you know, we're not talking about violence against a child here or sexual abuse of a child, and they need to learn to just forgive that. Now, in years to come, who knows what the Lord might work out there, but you don't, you don't take a child into a room with their abuser. Oh, you see it in relationships too, uh, in marriages, yeah, abusive marriages, or even, you know, my teenagers, I see, you know, such harm being done in a relationship where they want to be forgiving, but then think that they can step right back into right. the way it was in their friendship or something right. and set them up for that again and mm-hmm. again and again. And I don't think that that's loving to no. the person who is actually offending them either. Like even in an abusive marriage, you know, I would think that pastors and elders would say, while we encourage the work of right. forgiveness to happen, that doesn't right. mean it's not loving to an abuser to then put them in a situation to keep abusing. Right. If they're truly repentant, then they need to pay the consequences right. and they need to get help and yes. all those other things. And right. they probably need to be separated for a while. So exactly. forgiveness doesn't mean there aren't consequences. Right. Yes. And that's, and that's where we just, we have to be good Bible readers. You don't take Jesus's words to Peter and read them as though all the other texts connected right. with things like church discipline don't exist. Mm-hmm. 
So yeah, excellent point. Very necessary to remember because we know that this happens. People, will, you know, churches, people will take a verse or a handful of verses and lift it out of the entire context of the other complex of scriptures mm-hmm. based upon human relationships as though those don't even exist. And so mm-hmm. got to be very careful to avoid that. And, you know, Amy, before you wrap us up, there was one other thought I had too, which is, you know, if someone's offended you, mm-hmm. um, before we have a knee jerk, that person needs to repent. Probably the first thing to do is, you know what, does this rise to the level where there must be? Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah. Or, or is this something that I can go, you know what? That was a momentary kind of mess up. I'm not damaged. Love can cover over this. This person isn't even right. aware that they offended me. I can just cover that over. Sometimes we yes. have to do that. I think more often than not, we have yes. to do that. Because those happen yes. all throughout the day. And, you know, if you're a parent, you see that with your, right. with your children all the time. Right. We offend people not meaning to. Right. And sometimes that needs to be pointed out. But if every single little <laughs> offense was pointed out, I think it does cheapen, you know, the true bigger offenses. Right. That it's all we'd be doing. Require that transaction. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, good. Well, hopefully that was a helpful discussion. Thanks for listening. And if you want to stop on over by our website at mortificationofspin.org, you can get a free resource, an MP3 download on repentance and forgiveness of sin by Rebecca Pippert. It's the fifth plenary message from the 1989 PCRT conference, Whatever Happened to Sin. And you can also feel free. We would love your donations and also your prayers for our ministry. And hopefully Carl, in his absence, maybe has worked out that hair plugs problem. Yes. Maybe this time it was a scalp reduction or something like that. I don't know. (laughs) Hopefully he's recovering well and we will talk to you next time. I'm sorry so sorry please accept my apology but love was blind and I was too blind to see Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. To read more on hard-hitting topics like this, visit the podcast page and blog at mortificationofspin.org, where we'll have links and other articles from Amy, Carl, and Todd. And while you're there, please subscribe and consider making a donation. 